Hey friends, welcome to our Sailorville Church podcast. Uh, those of you that are part of Sailorville are familiar with this, and those of you that are just kind of joining for today, thanks so much for being a part of this. My name is Jason Jackson. I'm on staff here at Sailorville Church as one of our elders, and I'm joined by two guys with me that I get to serve alongside at various capacities. And uh, why don't you just introduce yourself real quick and tell us quickly about your family, and then we'll kind of talk about the uh, the topic that we're that we're going to discuss today. So, John, why don't you start? Well, I'm John, as you guys may know, uh, and uh, I have uh, my wife, Kaylee. Uh, we have four kids, Carter, uh, Zion, Aslan, and Rama. and I like to say that we purposely got weirder with the names as we went just to confuse people, like any good Christian should do, <laughs> just as the teacher's reading up, uh, Rema, I don't know what's going on here. Original language name, there we go, they're, they're all the rage right now. Yeah, that's right. Steven, do you have any uh, weird named kids? Well, um, I'm Steven, and my <laughs> wife is Ellen. I think those are pretty normal names. Actually, uh, her maiden name is DeClean, and so I think some people recognize that. She's yep. the daughter of Chuck and Diane DeClean. And uh, our children are Samuel, Benjamin, uh, Jariah. I guess that's not a real common name. Jariah is a little bit more uncommon. I, I really like the name Jedediah, but I didn't like the name Jed, and I didn't want it to get shortened to that. So Samuel, Benjamin, Jariah, Isaiah, and then our little girl, Emma. So I, I think those are pretty normal names we stuck with. So, but <laughs> okay. To each their Spoken own. Spoken like a real Christian. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here, uh, guys, today to talk about church planting and specifically the, the roles that you both have in our church planting residency. And uh, that's been something that I've been a part of here as part of my role at Sailorville and then in our broader network of churches. We call it the Engage Network. We are gospel-centered churches planting gospel-centered churches, right? Amen. Began about 15 years ago with uh, Dave Heisterkamp, Dave and Deb planting Lakeside Fellowship in Polk City. That's just a couple minutes from our location here at Sailorville Church. And from then, we've planted uh, five more churches. So there's uh, six churches right now in the network overall. And we've got a seventh one coming, and then an eighth one, Lord willing, coming after that, which we'll get into here in a mm -hmm. second. But I just kind of wanted to lay the groundwork here with a couple passages of Scripture that I think of when I think about you guys, and potentially other men and, the, and their families to come along after you, and sort of our entire um, philosophy here of sending and developing and multiplying, and not just being a church that gathers people, but a church that scatters people intentionally, right? And so Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, you're familiar with this maybe, what you've heard from me in the presence of many uh, faithful witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to then pass this along to others also. And so there's a, there's a sense of development and discipleship there. What Paul told Timothy, Timothy was to pass along to faithful men who were supposed to pass that along, the teaching and the environments and the experience and the doctrine and uh, the fellowship to others who would then pass that along. And so that's really, in a, in a really big part, what we're trying to do here with you guys and what you've been doing with others as well. And then one of my favorite passages is, again, from Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, where Paul says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, so on the way you live and on what you teach. And then he says, persist in this, for by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So there's a real others-mindedness here in what we're trying to do. It's not just for you, not just save yourself, <laughs> help yourself, be self-aware, but also there's a, um, there's a sense that uh, when you're committed to doctrine, when you're committed to 
truthful teaching, healthy mm. living. You impact others in the same way. Yeah. And uh, that comes about not just in our families, but in our small groups, in our churches, and then, of course, in church planting as we get into that discussion as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Stephen, you, you know, you, you came from outside of our network, and here you are. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you're at in the church planting residency process and um, where you're going. Uh, you're already living there, but yep. where you're um, going to be planting a church with your family and, and with a core group, and just kind of catch us up to speed on, on that. And many of our followers here will will know who you are and a little bit of your journey, but just kind of give us the summary version of where you're at. Sure, sure. So uh, I'd been in pastoral ministry for about 17 years, and God was blessing. It was going well, and, and we were loving where we were. Honestly, thought we were going to be there uh, very long term, and in a way that only God can get the credit for. He kind of called us to, to church planting, and uh, it was an exciting thing. It was a scary thing. We certainly left behind a lot of uh, comforts and securities that were normal every day to us. But now even just a little over a year in, we're so excited, so glad that he did. So I've been in the residency for uh, just over a year now. We came in September of 2020, yep. and now it's November of 2021. And uh, it's been a very encouraging experience, very positive experience. We've learned a lot, and I think the Engage Network has learned along the way as well. <laughs> yes. So we're thankful for that. But God directed us uh, to to launch the next church, to plant the next church in the community of Huxley. And we have lived in Huxley now since July, Yeah. and so we're very excited about that. It's a growing, uh, smaller community, but I really feel like it fits who we are and kind of even some of my past and my history and, and our passion as a couple uh, just for a local community. So, mm-hmm. so that's where we're at location-wise within the residency. Uh, we came through a process of, of learning and trying to absorb and, and, and get that DNA uh, into us for church planting and learning kind of the ropes of how things are done in and, and the engaged network churches, and then a lot of recon and research and, and location-based um, study. And then once we knew where we were, were, were headed, we began to go out and kind of get the word out. I went around all the churches and shared my heart for Huxley and now we're gathering and assembling a core group. So we've been doing that for a few weeks now, probably keep working on that for about a month. Mm-hmm. And then Lord willing, that core team will start meeting after the first of the year with the goal to launch the church, um, probably somewhere around April of 2022. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's really ramping up. It's, it's exciting. It's cool. And God is really bringing us some, some neat partners in ministry. We're very thankful. So you're really like five, six months away, Lord yeah. willing, from from opening the doors launch date, right? Yeah, that's that's terrifying. Thanks for bringing it up. I, I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it. I was thinking of how long I'd been in the residency, but yeah, that's how much time I have left. Oh, we have yeah. a countdown here. Yeah, there's yeah, a right? countdown. The countdown I is off going. every single day on a big desk calendar. You know? <laughs> it's getting close. It's getting real. We'll dig oh, into some exciting. of those things that you talked about, like core group and, and some of that process, but tell us a little bit about... Um, the church that you're working primarily with right now, because this is part of our philosophy here of training uh, in this residency. It's it's not a, you know, some churches or, or some schools will have like an academic residency, and mm-hmm. it's very heavy on the classwork and the content and even curriculum. 
And that's not so much of where our focus is, but ours, ours is a little bit more on experience and serving and observation and then planning and launching. So tell us where that's happened, and then we'll kind of bring John into this and ask him the same kind of question. Sure, sure. Uh, so I am the engaged network church planting resident, but when I, when I came down here, when I started in the residency, I was assigned to work with New City Church, uh, Pastor Adam Beecher, uh, Pastor Nathan Nemers, and, and Pastor Chuck DeClean. And which so is the that's, most recent church plant, which is the so most the recent freshest experience yep. there. Yep. Yeah, they're only about two and a half years old, yeah. and so really getting to see some of the some of the things that you run into early on, yeah. and uh, facility issues, and new people issues, and how do you uh, retain people, and how do you get them on board? And so it's been a really great learning experience. I've I've loved working with them. They've they've all poured into me in in very different ways, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but it's also just been such an eye-opening experience because um, all of my ministry up until this point has been in very established churches. Right. Uh, the church that I came out to, came out of was 160 years old. I mean, that's the definition of an established <laughs> church. Yeah. So even just some of the weekly things that church plants go through, uh, that's really been a learning experience. And they, and they took me right in. Um, I am considered one of the pastors there, and and uh, so I don't, I don't technically vote on things, but they have me into all those meetings, and I get to give my opinion and, and minister, and, and I've really enjoyed that. And I haven't just been pushed to the side or, or marginalized at all. I've been able to jump right in there, and we've served and thankful for that. It's been a great connection mm -hmm. to, to watch happen and to see how they've pulled you in, and you guys and your family have, have really pulled them close as well, and uh, it's a real relational kind yeah. of training experience. Mm -hmm. And You've served them, and they've served you. you yes. know, it has been both end there, so that's, that's been awesome to watch. Yep. I never thought about that, Stephen, the 160-year-old church coming to a church that was like two years old when, <laughs> when you came. I mean, there has to be some major, major differences there. Yeah. And John's been around this church for a little while, uh, 160 not 160 years, years necessarily. <laughs> but um, So like for, for people that don't know much of your story, John, really just kind of catch us up to speed with where you're at, maybe just before you started the residency, and then, uh, and then how we got here today. So your, your quick story here at Sailorville, what God's done in your life, and then why we're here. Yeah, so um, came on staff. I always get the number confused, but I guess uh, four or five years ago, officially part-time on staff. Was it four years ago? Four or five years ago? I think an intern ago? four years ago, maybe, yeah. and, and then part-time yeah. a year after that or two. Yeah, so I was part time for uh, two years, uh, however many years ago that was. And for the then, first several years, you dressed like a hobo. So that's we, right. we sort I of was homeless. We, uh, <laughs> I could have told. We blocked those years out. I mentioned a story when I was an intern at <laughs> Sailorville. My message this past Sunday. I could have said a lot, including the staff photos, where I've been the only person on staff to have to retake a photo because I looked so bad. John got it. John picture. got a haircut after the pictures. I didn't know. I'd have no. I had no idea that we were having staff pictures. Uh, definitely didn't read that email. Yeah. And uh, I walked in and Tyler Betts had a nice T-shirt on, so I knew something was wrong. We he missed that training in the internship, the, the read your emails part of the training. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I, but we I, hired you full time. Now. We hired you full time. <laughs> uh, by God's grace. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, so I did come on full time. Uh, Chuck, you know, Chuck went to New City. And so I kind of was studying and learning under, under Chuck. Um, Sir Charles, as mm -hmm. we call him, the Chuck Wagon. <laughs> uh, and. I took over as the evangelism director full-time uh, a couple years ago, 
And at that point, I didn't, re- I obviously, I knew God was calling us into ministry. I knew that when we were part-time, uh, but didn't know exactly what type of ministry it was. We kind of, Kaylee and I had boiled ministry down to mm-hmm. the future of ministry down to three categories in our mind. It was either continue to do what we're doing, you know, be the evangelism outreach guy and, uh, and teach every, teach and preach every once in a while and essentially just keep on doing that, whether it be here or elsewhere, it didn't really matter. I mean, mm-hmm. just do that. Um, or uh, missions. So uh, when I first got saved, uh, met Kaylee, uh, we got married at a young age, and I was working for Nate Worsham, who's a member at Sayreville, uh, and I was always listening to stuff <clears throat> on my, um, in my headphones. And I was, I got, I just fell in love with theology mm. and apologetics. Um, and so I just loved that type of, uh, um, that type of content. And so that, that really sent me into, along with my passion for evangelism, apologetics and evangelism and theology kind of sent me on this, uh, this love quest for, uh, any skeptic that I would come across and by God's grace, he just like, it felt like he just kept on laying mm-hmm. atheists and agnostics in my lap. Uh, so I got to have a lot of those conversations and see uh, some of them come to Christ, which is really cool. And so with our mind being geared towards the possibility of missions, when I was working part-time here at Sayreville, I was also working part-time for a ministry called Run to Me, mm-hmm. which is which was ran by a couple of, on st- or not on staff, uh, who are members yeah. here at this church, Emma yeah. and Frederick Sandberg, who were atheists themselves. He's from Sweden. She's from Ireland, mm-hmm. both very secular places in the world. And so she, when I was working with her, just would pump Ireland in my brain day after day after day. And she would just... Like Celtic music and just, stuff while you were working. Just, and just <laughs> throw shamrocks at me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Immersion. <laughs> but she would always talk to me about it. And it was just, it was so romantic in the, in the you know, in that uh, sense, like, yeah. my goodness, what if God's calling us to somewhere like Ireland or somewhere yeah. like England where it's yeah. just super secular. Yep. So that was a possibility, those two things, or uh, possibly being a, a lead guy somewhere, whether that be um, going to an established church or church planting. Um, and as I was kind of wrestling with those things, it kind of, the the doing what I was doing as the evangelism director kind of faded away. I kind of realized, okay, that's not feel like God's calling me more towards a leadership role. So it's not that. So I knew it was either missions or being a lead guy. And it's, it's interesting. I mean, like, yes, there was a lot of, I was reading through, uh, um, first and second Samuel and first and second Kings at the time. And so like, there's a lot of, uh, looking at David's life in my scripture reading, but it was, it was actually a podcast that I felt like was the Holy Spirit smacking me upside the head uh when i was driving right in the right in the middle of covid Mm -hmm. and i was gonna so everybody was kind of working virtually or you know working in our uh, um, homes and and so abe and i pastor abe and i Mm -hmm. were gonna do like a walking uh meeting in margo frankel uh uh, park. Mm-hmm. And so I was on my way there. I'm listening to one of my, one of my pacifier podcasts, meaning, you know, the ones that I just, I just turn on just because I like it. It was an apologetic one. And, uh, these two guys are talking and they're kind of going over. I like this guy. I like this guy. I like this apologist. And, and one of them said, one of my favorite apologists is Tim Keller. 
I thought that was interesting because, yes, I mean, people think Tim Keller, he wrote some very apologetic books, but he's not an apologist. Mm. Like, nobody would say, oh, Tim Keller, that's an apologist. He's a pastor. Mm. And, uh, and the guy said, this is like a side comment when he said that, he said, I like Tim Keller, and the reason why I like it is because he's not really an apologist. He's a pastor with that kind of heart. Mm. And then he said this side comment. He said, and I think that's how you're going to win the culture. Mm-hmm. is being a pastor with that type of evangelistic heart. And it was like it was like that moment God's like, oh, smack me upside the head. And I remember getting out of the van. I, I heard that, and I was getting out of my van to go meet Abe, and I just like told him about it. And I was like, I think, I don't know, but like I don't know what to do with this, but I, I just heard something that was just so profound to me, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And, uh, and so that's when I kind of came to you guys and said, I think this is what God's calling me to. And there was a myriad of other things that were happening yeah. uh, in my life at that time. They were kind of pointing that direction. Um, so that was the process of kind of throwing my hat in the ring. You guys confirmed that, which is super awesome, uh, super confirming. And uh, and so just this past month, right? It's been a month. It hasn't even been a yeah. month. It has been a month. Yeah. It has been a month. Uh, beginning of October, so beginning it's November October. 9th. Yeah, there you go. So it's been a month, mm-hmm. and I am officially the resident uh, for the eighth church plant. And and I told Stephen and Adam the other day, I said, whoever comes after me better be careful because seven, eight, nine. So I... <laughs> it's my dad joke for the day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at. That's our qualification to become a resident is to have those that cheesy humor, which both of you guys pass with flying colors. So thanks. You feed off You're in, yeah. Actually, John, you said something really a lot of really important things there, but but one towards the end is um, our our leadership confirmed or affirmed your your calling. That's a really important statement. Um, because we have we have some some people every once in a while that raise their hand and say, Hey, I, I think God's calling me into some kind of ministry. Uh, what's next for me? Or maybe we look at some people and say, hey, maybe God's got his hand on, on that individual's life that could be uh, in some kind of ministry leadership or whatever. But uh, just this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but maybe not for some people that are listening. How does that actually work? You you just you kind of jump to the, the elders or the leadership of our church or, or our church confirm that in your life. But how do we confirm or affirm someone's calling? Um, let's say specifically towards vocational ministry in the local church setting. Stephen, you've been around for 160 years at your, at your previous <laughs> church. Uh, and then John's got a really real-life example of it happening in yeah. his life. So h- how do we do that? Uh, well, whenever somebody comes to me and, and talks about that idea of, I, I think maybe I'm called to ministry or I'm interested in pursuing it, um, I always encourage them with the reality of what Paul told Timothy, if, if, if a man desires that office, he desires a good thing. Mm. Uh, that's a good desire. Mm. But then right after Paul says that, he says, now, here's the qualifications. Mm-hmm. He, here's what that looks like. And uh, so I, I think that I would take an individual who has that desire and I'd say, you know, kudos to you, that's great. Let's pursue it. Let's look at the character. Yeah. Let's see what people around you who can who can accurately assess your character, yeah, you what they would say. And I think yeah. that's so confirming. So I think it does have to start with that desire, mm-hmm. but then the character has to line up. It has to meet the biblical qualifications. And then that that confirmation or that confirming 
of of a local church mm-hmm. uh, will will come alongside. And so I've I've always seen God work. Uh, not independent of those things, mm. but with those things working together. And I just think that's really crucial. That's the way it has happened uh, for me, yeah. even moving from a full-time ministry in an, uh, an established church to church planning. Uh, it was the same thing. Um, it really kind of came out of the blue. I wasn't seeking it or desiring it, but once the opportunity was there, I thought maybe this is something that I could could do. Yeah. And then there were those who looked at me, looked at my character and said, is this something that he's qualified to do? And then just countless people, family, friends, uh, the Engage Network said, yep, we, we see it, we confirm it, um, and it's moved forward from there. Yeah, that's really important. Some people have asked, why is the residency 18 months? Um, for some, that seems long. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't I just raise my hand, raise the money, and raise a church, you know? Uh, 18 months, maybe not as long as it could be, but part of the reason that it is that length is because we want to watch mm-hmm. you and your family, honestly, not not sort of in a critical kind of way, but in a, um, uh, does the life match the mission, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the message? Yeah. Um, and there's a reputation thing there, yep. and mm-hmm. we, we want you, we want to be sure that you're living out as much as we can be, those characteristics that you mentioned in the pastoral epistles. And uh, we've been able to watch John for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, he, in an in a actual sense here, he, he grew up here. And part of his ministry experience is just growing up in the ministry home that he did. And then he did come on as an intern and went through the process. You know, John yeah. just didn't show up as a 20-something and say, hey, I, I want to be a church planter. And we said, oh, yep, great. We like you. Your last name's Nemers, so you're in. I mean, we we put him through the process, right, to confirm that. Yeah. Uh, how did that work for you? Yeah, I. I, mean, I guess it, it remains it, to be seen how it works for you. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think a big one. I was trying to find the verse on my phone, but I couldn't because I can't remember the reference. But where Paul tells Timothy that uh, to allow people to watch his progress. You know what verse I'm talking about? I can't. So that all may see your yes. progress. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. know the, I know the line you're talking about, yeah. but I... Ah, it's so bothering when I can't do that. I was trying to Google it. Where's Pastor Pat? Pastor it. Pat would have the address. Oh. We know he would. He would say, somebody, he would say, one time he did that, and a guy turned to him and said, Pat, not unless you have the... Don't don't quote that verse unless you yeah, have you a should, book, shouldn't have said chapter, it. and a verse. There you go. Uh, yeah. He's right. Either, either way. Uh, I think that's a big part of it uh, is is as you're, as people see at least some potential in you, uh, then you're given, which I think is more on the, the, the leadership team to give uh, to give at least the, the chance to mm. people like me, which I'm super grateful for in anyone to, to at least see the possibility of some sort of leadership or some sort of future for these men or women and yeah. uh, uh, and I think a big part of it is you're going to see their progress and you guys are watching and we're watching people's progress. And like you're saying, if, if they're walking through these, uh, um, elements, whether it's preaching and teaching or, uh, evangelizing or admin or whatever it is, you're, you're seeing, you're giving the responsibility and you're seeing how they handle it and, uh, you're watching their progress. And yeah, cause I mean, like I would, if I had to be, the 
if I had to be a church planner right at the beginning, like somebody said, John, you have to be ready right now. I'd be like, oh my goodness, mm. like that would be unwise, mm. right? I'd look <laughs> at you guys and go, I don't think it's wise for you to send me out right now. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready. So you guys should really pump the brakes and and watch my progress. And and you guys are so good at that. Not just you guys, but the the whole network is really good at that. And I think even the way that we deal with bringing on elders, mm. even specifically at this church, is a lot like that, mm. where it goes, it would be unwise for us to just be like, yeah, sure, come on in, you can be an elder, and like, no, there's a lot of progress to be watched. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, it goes, goes, yeah. goes back a little bit to the First Timothy 4, 16, 16? that I brought up yeah. at the beginning, <laughs> and the verse you're referring to is First Timothy 4, 15. Yeah, there you go. Um, But 16 is, remember, keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. There's a process, because um, you jumping into pastoral ministry right away, there's not a process there. Hmm. Now, this is how we do it, right? Other people do it differently. That that may be okay for them. We've just noticed that it's really important to have a length of process there. And I think there's some biblical precedent there, and there's there's wisdom in that, like you're mentioning. So. Um, okay, so John, you, you're our church planting resident, uh, and Stephen is also church planting resident. Talk about why we've got two and what the overlap looks like there and yeah. what you're hoping to do in, in the timeline, Lord willing. Yeah, so I, I get the best case scenario, honestly. Like, I almost feel bad for Stephen in a sense because <laughs> he comes... Oh, we all feel yeah, bad. We all feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he came in and, and Adam's amazing, so he definitely got really good teaching under Adam yep. and uh, schooling under him. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just because of the timing, you weren't there when the actual church was being brought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's one thing to be taught, and then it's another thing to actually get to experience. So I think that's a part of the reason why we do it like we do it, ideally, and we know it's not going to happen every time because, you know, we might not have someone in the sure. pipeline. Right. But for those who are in the pipeline at the same time, it just it it's just kind of the perfect, perfect storm, I guess, if you're going to put it that way, where I can watch how this thing gets built from the ground up. Yeah, I can be an asset to Steven somehow, some way. I can help him out. But, I mean, really, he's more helping me, at least in my eyes. He's helping me way more than I'm helping him. So True. I mean, he, he hasn't seen the list of jobs that I have for him yet. So. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but at least it's it's true, at least in my eyes, that this is just such a privilege of being able to see the core team being built up. You're in the interviews, you're having conversations like, okay, so what is his philosophy of ministry? What is this church plan going to look like? Uh, There's already so many things that I'm definitely, I mean, so much of what you're going to do in anything in life is really built upon who you learned under. So yeah. uh, I've I've marked out a ton of things that Steven's doing where I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just going to do it like mm. that. Even if it's just as simple as like, I'm just going to have people into my home to do these interviews, you know, mm-hmm. just, it just makes sense, you mm-hmm. know? And, and uh, so, yeah, I'd say that's, that's part of the, the, um, the uh, genius, I guess, behind this is that you're really, you're getting to see it built up from the ground up. And so Stephen, you have away. a responsibility here because, <laughs> well, you know, the Paul to Timothy, Timothy to faithful men, faithful men to others, you're, you're doing that with, with John in a sense, making mistakes, making great calls, using wisdom, you know, you're, you're, he's the faithful man that you're training, that you're passing things along to at this point. 
Yeah, certainly trying to. Um, I'm still very new and green at it as well, but uh, I, I think John has had such a teachable spirit, and, and he certainly has contributed, uh, especially certain things mm -hmm. where just because he grew up within the Engage network, there's things that are, that are even more familiar to him, and so he certainly has uh, been a blessing, and just even having another uh, brother in Christ who has the same heart. You know, maybe I'm a little bit farther along in the process, but but we're both aiming at the same thing. We want to see a, a gospel preaching, lost reaching church established. Now, now I know what the zip code of my church is going to be. I know where that's going. He doesn't know that yet, um, but we have the same kind of big picture in mind, and so we have good conversations. We get together and chat, and uh, even just friendly, holding holding each other accountable, talking mm -hmm. about our wives, talking mm -hmm. about our kids, stuff that's just good to share life in. Mm -hmm. And that's all falling underneath the category of knowing that we have a vision, a goal that we're, that we're working towards. So I don't know who said it, but somebody said you can't live long enough to make all the mistakes, so you might as well learn from the mistakes of others. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to learn from the mistakes of uh, others who have gone before me and, and also learn from the things that they did well. And and hopefully, Lord willing, I can, you know, if I step on a few landmines here or there, or if I find a few uh, nuggets of wisdom, hopefully uh, John can file those away and, and yep. pass them along as well. And plant the perfect church. That's, That's right. right. That's there you right. go, John. <laughs> okay, you talked about big picture, vision. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our phrases is, um, we, we want to be gospel-centered churches, planting gospel-centered churches. That's kind of like our DNA um, that's that's what makes us who we are as Sailorville Church and our engaged network of churches. So, what does um what what does your church DNA look like when you plant your church, Stephen? I not you know what color are the are the chairs or what songs you're going to sing or whatever, but what what's at the core of our upcoming church plant mm -hmm. here in the in the engaged network? Well, I, I made the statement just a moment ago, we want to be a gospel-preaching, lost-reaching church. Yeah. Uh, we want to exalt Christ. We want to be true to the Word. Those are, those are things that, of course, you want a church to be. I think maybe some of the unique aspects of the DNA would be uh, we want to be an evangelistic church. Mm. And I don't know if aggressively evangelistic sounds too strong or not, but uh, that's certainly what we want. We desire to plant and establish the church through the faithful core team that God brings to us, but we don't want to just be a closer, easier option for other people. We want that's people... a key statement yeah. right there. So, so don't look to join Huxley Church because it's convenient necessarily. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not just trying to soak off of uh, other churches. We want yeah. to see people without Christ in the community come to know Christ. Wow and then become a part of that church. So we want to grow through genuine conversions, and, uh, and that's the desire. Now, um, the way that might flesh itself out a little bit, and, and again, this gets back to who I think I am as, as a pastor and as an individual and my wife and even the team that is being assembled around us, is we want to be a community-oriented church. Mm -hmm. uh, Huxley is a community that, that has a great school system, uh, you know, it's a community of, of pushing 5,000 people that's kind of wedged between Ames and Ankeny, and and uh, a lot of the people who live there, they want to be there. They may work outside of the city, but they want to be there. They want to go to their kids' football game. Yeah. They want to go to the local grocery store and things like that, and so we we want to lean into that. We want to lean into that culture, and and uh, if I'm walking down the street or walking through the store, I want to I be recognizing people and calling them out by their first name. And, and so we just want to have those relationships that we can build. 
And even not just on a personal level, but at a church level, we're doing the same thing. It's not just a friendly pastor and a friendly people, but a church that is giving back and investing in the community. Even if somebody never comes through the door of our church plant, if they live in Huxley, we hope that they would say, I don't know anything about, I, I don't know much about that church, but I know that I'm glad we have them in our community. Just wow. from what I hear, I've never been there. I've never heard that guy preach. I've never sang a song in their church. But all I know is that I'm glad they're part of our community. Yeah. I can see the positive yeah. impact that they have. That's really good. And uh, so, so that's our heart. That's, that's our, our vision and our desire for, for reaching our local community. That's really well said. I mean, I, that's the first I've heard you talk about it in, in some of those ways. I, I really like that. You want to be a positive influence on the community, a gospel influence, mm. not just a good moral influence, but a gospel influence on the community, and even people that don't know Jesus or maybe wouldn't even ever darken the door of the of the church building. John, wait, you're, you're a ways out, right? Mm. Um, and we haven't even launched this church, yep. but speak to that a little bit. What kind of church John and Kaylee never is going to plant? Well, I just, I love what you just said. So. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it makes me immediately think of Second Corinthians 2. You know, you're going to be in a aroma. Now, of course, yep. there's always, as, is, as with that verse, the aroma of Christ is, is the scent of life to some mm-hmm. and the scent of death to others, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that impact is still going to be offensive. But, yeah, I mean, I love that. You're just being the aroma of Christ uh, in your community. Yeah, I mean, we're in the baby stages of really just, you know, we're just dreaming right now as to what uh, God could possibly um, call this church to be. Uh, And a lot of it, there are some things that are going to necessarily be there. You know, obviously the gospel, just constantly being a a gospel presence, being evangelistic, being community-minded, now, there are certain things that will change. How do you reach the community it depends on what community you're in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so how you present the gospel message doesn't mm-hmm. change, but your approach to how you present the gospel is always subject to be yeah. morphed and changed, yep. and I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to do yep. it this way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's all up in the air, but those, those core uh, philosophies that we have are, yeah, I mean, preaching the gospel uh, for sure, um, building up an evangelistic DNA mm-hmm. of the church. Uh, and really, I mean, that being in the DNA of the people where it's not just a few evangelists or few people that think, okay, it's them that's going to reach the community. But literally, I mean, that's, that's how, you know, that's how movements are, are made is the revivals happen because the church is the church. Those who are alive are being revived, yeah. right? It's not, yeah. we often think of it's the unsaved people that are being revived. No, they're dead, right? I mean, so they're, they <laughs> need to be, made alive. they need to be resurrected, <laughs> yeah, right. right? We need to be revived. Yeah. And so that's what happens inside the church and the DNA is built that way, and so then they, then the church goes out, and that's how you reach a community. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's the that's the philosophy we have. And the, yeah, of course, we've dreamed about okay, so if we were to go here, then it might look more like this, and if we were to go to here, but then. So that's know. a key point, actually. Um, first of all, we we don't know where you're going. You don't know where yeah. you're going, right? right? Only God knows, and that's okay. So so like, don't ask, right? <laughs> um, we don't know who's going with you. None of that stuff. We're still way too far out. But um, depending on where you go, 
your ministry will look differently. So John, yeah. Yeah. part of his giftedness, we just talked about this, is his love for apologetics, right? That's the way he preaches, talks with people. That's the way he and Kaylee interact with others. Stephen is a community shepherd, right? They both have shepherding and, and doctrine and theology, but your, your strengths are more on this side. John's strengths are more on this side. And God's going to put you in a place that maximizes those strengths and that that community needs yeah. really, really well. And John, same, same thing for you. So when people say, how come you don't just tell these guys where to go? Because, well, we, we, we don't want to play the Holy Spirit there, right? Yeah. God's given you unique gifts and, 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 and abilities, and he's going to connect you with the right kind of people yeah. who happen to live in a location. And uh, that's where you're going to end up, Lord yeah, willing. Yeah. So that's yeah. cool. Let, let, let's back up a little bit here, Stephen. We, we jumped right into the church planting thing. But some would say, why even plant churches? I mean, why not just grow one church bigger, 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 bigger? Mm. What, what's the deal with even planting churches? Um, you know, is there a philosophical thing there? Is, there, is, is that part of our culture? Uh, is there a biblical deal there? Why? We're part of this church planting network, but why? Well, John, you already mentioned uh, Pastor Tim Keller, and uh, actually Tim Keller has a really great article that's entitled, Why Plant Churches? Mm. And uh, if you give that a Google, just Why Plant Churches by Dr. Tim Keller, it's a really simple, straightforward read that I think he makes a wonderful case. But I, I also wanted to to try to answer that question clearly uh, as I went around and went to the different churches of the Engage Network. I had the opportunity to speak to kind of do a little tour, if you will, and uh, let people know what we were doing. And I, I actually took a text of Scripture and uh, Acts 13, mm-hmm. and um, uh, spent a lot of time talking to my father-in-law, Chuck, about it, actually, and he helped me a lot, very thankful for that. But as I studied that text, I, I answered the question this way, why should we plant churches? Mm-hmm. Because it's biblical. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean that as a Jesus juke or an oversimplification, but really... If you look at the entire argument, if you look at the arc of the New Testament, yeah. uh, you can see that. Why should we plant churches? Because it's biblical. And if you take the Great Commission, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a statement, it's a command, it's a commission to do these things, and if you line that up with the book of Acts, mm-hmm. you see that the book of Acts is the narrative fulfillment yeah. of what Christ said to his followers in the Great Commission. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get on the other side of the book of Acts, and what do you have? Mm-hmm. You have epistles. You have letters that are written to churches, churches, yeah. churches that had been planted, churches that had been planted. Why? To fulfill the Great Commission. So planting churches is biblical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's kind of the 30,000-foot the answer is we do it because it's, it glorifies God. It is good for the church. It is biblical. Um, so my study in Acts chapter 13 kind of started on that launching pad, and then as I, as I went through just the first three verses, and really that's a very small text that's set in a larger context that I would fly through when I had to present it. But uh, you see that it's the churches that are planting churches. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem planted Antioch. And then Antioch sends out Paul and Barnabas, and they plant more churches. And that's something that I... I Engage Network is just nailing that. The churches are planting churches. That's what we're doing. That's where the church planters, the core group, uh, even the funds and the resources for for launch costs, those things are coming from like-minded churches that have a heart to plant churches. So we see... So even a church that's two and a half years old... That's right. uh, New City Church in our network, where you've been ministering primarily, is going to plant Huxley Church. Yeah. 
which is not yeah. the official name, by the way. Just the name. It's not the Huxley it's, Church. It's a placeholder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really great point to bring up, and it was a very humbling thing for me. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm a little bit different in, in coming from outside the network, and uh, so I was a I was a little bit of a, a of an orphan coming in because I didn't have a, a home church that was already in the engaged network, and and I was given uh, over to New City, and that's where I worked and served, and. And through the leadership there and by God's directing, they made uh, a real commitment when they made the decision that they would be my sending church. And there's a price tag connected to that. It's not just a, a rubber stamp that they can say, oh yeah, we'll be as sending church, but we don't have any skin in the game. It, it was a sacrifice yeah. for a young church like that to, to step up and make that decision. So I was very humbled by that, very thankful. And again, it just works out that, that point that churches plant churches. Yeah. And uh, then also the other thing you see there in Acts is that um, it, it takes people. Mm. You know, you have the first three verses, and it's a list of names. <laughs> well, churches are planted by people, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that means that people are going to leave, people are going to go out, people are going to be called from a position as an evangelism director, and then they're going to be a church planter. Somebody's going to be called from the church where they are, and then they're going to be a church planter. Mm -hmm. So it takes people. Yeah. Uh, it also takes sacrifice. Imagine having Paul and Barnabas in your church. Mm. I mean, Barnabas is, has, has a reputation and even a nickname for yeah. being an encourager. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's the encourager of the church. And uh, here God says, okay, I'm going to take him and I'm going to send him somewhere else. And then you have the Apostle Paul. You have Paul, who is yeah. doctrinally just the, the giant that we know he yeah. is. And God takes those two huh. and says, now I want you to send them out. Well, that was a sacrifice. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then the book ends of that narrative really from chapter 13 to the end of chapter 14. The, the, the final point that I would make from that text is church planting is God's work. Mm. Because God said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. Yeah. And then you go through that narrative of their first missionary journey, mm -hmm. and at the end of chapter 14, it says they came back and they reported all that God has done. Mm -hmm. God's doing this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Church planning is biblical. Church planning is God's work, and we're mm -hmm. just getting on board with what He's already doing. Yep. And, uh, and it's a fun ride. It's yeah. exciting to be part of it. It's and it's very good. humbling. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, let's put ourselves in the right spot here. Yeah. This is God's work, and we're just trying to be on board with what we believe He's trying to do in the Des Moines metro and, and really around the world, ultimately. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's, a, that's a key phrase there. Mm -hmm. um, he could choose to use anybody, anywhere, at any time, and yet He's called you guys to be church planters um, in our network mm -hmm. for right now. And that's a humbling thing. Yeah, very humbling. And uh, my goodness, I'm... I'm glad to be a part of it in this way and uh, get to serve alongside you guys and have these great conversations and be part of our church and part of our network that does um, that does this on on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And looking forward to seeing what God does in Huxley and wherever you end up, looking forward to seeing what God <laughs> does there with you guys and your your wives and your families. And mm -hmm. it's a it's a family thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you're not planting by yourself. Obviously, your <laughs> your your family's going with you and they're going to be a key, key, key part of anything yes. that God does there. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an exciting thing to think about as well. So yep. thanks, guys. Appreciate both Thank of you, you. Uh, and uh, how you're following after God's uh, leading in your lives. And just really looking forward to seeing what he does in the two of you uh, over the next several months and, and even several years as a part of what, uh, what he's doing for his kingdom here. 
Amen. Thank you. Amen. And thank you for being a part of this. And uh, if you have any questions or you want to talk to us about any of this stuff, just give us a contact and uh, we'd love to get back with you and um, maybe see where God has you in this, this whole crazy thing called church planting. Um, looking forward to seeing how that works out here. So thanks, guys, and thank you.